Zane Lowe, Apple Music. This is the Zane Lowe interview series. I'm Hanuman. Thanks for joining us for another conversation. This week, it's Jamiroquai. Jamiroquai emerged in the early 90s on both sides of the pond thanks to his breakout single, Virtual Insanity. The single made him a household name and a mainstay of pretty much every 90s playlist you can consider. Now, over the past two decades, he has maintained a stranglehold on the future-leaning pop space on every continent on the planet ever since. Without further ado, Zane's conversation with Jamiroquai. We're still here, bro, and um, and it's not lost on me that we're still here, and it must get even more sweet for you, uh, less bitter, more sweet. The, the the longer you're able to continue to create and and just trust your inner voice. Yeah, I um, well, as you know, with Toby, you know, falling by the wayside, yeah. and then just looking around at the amount of people who've who we've lost, you know, over the last couple of years. I mean, but um. But with Toby, it's, it's way before time. And, um, yeah. you know, that that's always in the back of my mind. You know, sometimes there's there's always that thing where you think, because uh, the number's still on my phone. That's you know? so crazy you say that, you know. my The number's still on my phone. It happens to me as well. And the messages are still there. And so it takes a while to compute. And then you watch an old video. You know, and then like I was watching the emergency on planet Earth, um, you know, that sort of re 4K thing. And I'm just looking and just going, I mean, A, <laughs> A how young we all were, <laughs> you know, I mean, I look about 12. <laughs> and um, but it's just it's devastating, you know, to to uh, yeah. to see somebody go like that. But, you know, the good news with that is that um, Stasi, his daughter, is doing some really great stuff. Really good. And she's, uh, and Dylan, his son as well. So they have certainly taken on the mantle of what he was doing. And, you know, when I look at them, I just see little Tobies, or, well, getting bigger Tobies. That's beautiful, know. man. That's, yeah, that is, you're right. That is, um, that is the positive energy out of, out of something that doesn't seem fair, and, and it takes a long time to figure out what it all means. And that's a bridge that no one ever gets used to crossing, and I think, um, I think it also really, it really makes me think about the indestructibility of youth. And the idea uh, of, of you and your friends coming out and forming this band, and it's like, all right, our influences are authentic. Like, we're in the acid jazz vibe. Like, that's our label. Yeah. We're, just, we're, just trying to, <laughs> we're just trying to, like, impress the people that impress us. Yeah. And, and then you go on this worldwide journey that just yeah. is a crazy experience that I wonder how you feel about it looking back on it now from a, from a sort of mature perspective with life lived on how it, it must have been for you as a young man. Yeah. It all happened so fast. I was kind of working in an office and then I kind of got fired from that. And uh, and then I thought... <laughs> why? Why? I thought, why? Well, why were well, you fired? Uh, I got to ask why you were uh, fired. I mean, that's the obvious uh, question. Uh, I think I... I'm, and this is no... This is a deadly serious, you know. I think it was... I used to sort of do market research and you, you'd phone up and, um, uh, you know, various companies, you know, one of them a, a well-known shaving company. And, and the guy I'm supposed to talk to was called Mr. Wanker, you know. <laughs> it was just... And it was one of those things where I think I was fired for cracking up. You know, I just lost it. And it was a difficult thing to get your head around. And um, anyway. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I mean. I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. No, and I mean, and, at the uh, end of the day, you know, it, has, it must be acknowledged that, 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 that you are but a human being. 
at that moment. Yeah, well, I mean, you know. So anyway, then I, I thought to myself, I'm going to go back, you know, drum machine, keyboards, sitting in a tiny little, I was sitting in my mate's house. And I thought, right, I'm just going to throw everything at this. I'm going to throw everything at the music. Because I was going back and forth as well, up, you know, and at, at those times, and I kind of knew the voice was there, you know, and I, I could rap off like whole songs off the top of my head. And I just thought I've got to do something with that. Then I had a mate of mine who used to do the very good friend of mine, Elam, another guy who's not with us. Mm. And um, we used to, and he had a load of old stuff, you know, Elise's stuff. You know, we used to sit up there, listen to records, Dexter Wance or Life on Mars and yeah. rare 12-inch you know, stuff and good old funk and good proper hip-hop and stuff. This is back in the day. In the end, then, he was doing the covers for Street Sounds. And Street Sounds did a whole range of uh, Yeah, man, uh, Mor albums, Morgan Kahn and the Street Sounds Morgan comps. Morgan Kahn, yeah. that's correct. And Morgan Kahn heard my voice and then said, I want to sign this guy. Wasn't he a notorious shitter? Like, wasn't he? Yeah, that's, it wasn't that's he... correct. Because, and I was going to tell you the story because, you know, go. I, was, I, was, uh, I was 17 and I used to go down. I did, uh, I've still got the track. It's still there. It's called Natural Energy. It was the first track I ever did that kind of came out. And it was where, and also in the middle of it was the Buffalo Man. So I'd already done the logo and it was in the middle. And I remember getting... Three white labels, <laughs> well, I'd say about seven white labels, which I duly gave away to people. Hey, yeah, check it out. Check yeah, yeah. It. Here's my new record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and consequently, they're probably worth a fortune now. I haven't got one. Giles but, Peterson anybody, probably does. If anybody's out there listening, Giles, Pe it, Giles, Peterson, back, Giles <laughs> Peterson probably has three. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway, I just remember going back down to the studio uh, and then – and I said, well, where is everybody? <laughs> and the studio was empty. Nothing, not one piece of equipment. You know, you know when you go into an old, an old office that's been cleared out, yeah. there's always just a pen, uh, <laughs> a, a, a roll of old sort of A couple of cables or, out of the wall. You know, a, a, a sort of a, a slipper that's been left or something. <laughs> and, and, and also, you know those 80s sort of beige blinds that are a bit on the chains that are a bit screwed up, you know. <laughs> and that was all that was in there. And I said, where is he? Oh, he's not here anymore. I said, what do you mean he's not here? Anyway, the story then goes on that when um, Sony signed me for the first, well, first eight, eight albums, yeah. he suddenly came out of the woodwork. He'd set up again in Sweden or somewhere uh, with another label and another thing. And he was notorious for doing this. And then, of course, at that point, then I'd moved on from, you know, what I'd done there. You know, I mean, you know what it's like, you yeah. know, hey, what I did when I was 17 isn't cool. You know, now I'm 21. Well, you certainly don't, don't want, want someone hanging it over you, you know. What yeah, I, mean? I don't want anything to do with it. Um, and then he approached Sony, you know, with this letter. I always, I always knew he was a talent. And I wonder if you'd like, uh, if we'd possibly interested in this, because this was his actual first track. Wow, what <laughs> and, a and, and, um <laughs> And I think I sent him a uh, fairly, uh, yeah, non-conciliatory uh, letter just yeah. to say, hey, you know what, back up. A <laughs> little, little bit of a CAD, mate, a little bit of a CAD. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, fair, yeah. Fair, fair, fair enough too. Because when you, cause yeah. when you landed eventually, right, when you found that what, what you wanted to do, and I touched on this at the beginning of the conversation, it, it was, to me, I felt like you were trying to appeal to a small room of discerning fans. And 
I don't know whether it was timing. Certainly, you have to factor the quality of the music in. You, the marketing side of things, you like you said, you already had the Buffalo Man. Everything was kind of there. You had the, you know, the silhouette was there, and yeah. and silhouettes are really important. If you can sell it on a silhouette, you've smashed it, right? Yeah. So it was, it was all there, and then out of nowhere, this kind of album starts to really pick up beyond that room, and you find yourself in bigger rooms. And and kind of you said it, it happened so fast. Like, how did that affect you looking back on it now? So psychologically and, and spiritually, knowing that what you were doing with on an appropriate level was becoming inappropriately successful. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the thing was a, a very spiritual thing for me. You know, it was, it was really deep into, and, and still is, you know. I mean, um, I was really deep into it. I, I wanted to do anything that wasn't, you know, like a stock and waterman type thing, you yeah. know, like tinny pop. And I remember actually going in the Roundhouse Studios for the first time to do When You're Gonna Learn. And they put me in with um, Errol, the drummer from, from Imagination. No, I like Imagination, so don't get me wrong here. Sure, sure. But, um, but we were in there, crikey, we must have been in there for two days, day and night. And we got the track down, and it or it had the full lyrics. Yeah, yeah, have you heard the news today? People ran across the world, and never heard the whole thing. And then there was a whole discussion about chopping all of it out. And I was doing everything I could to keep the drums raw and everything kind of quite lo-fi on the whole thing, down to the influences and the, the people that I liked. So I had a good musical education in that department, you know, 15, 16, I wasn't listening to the charts. I was listening to Pleasure, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> James Mason and that, that was James Brown and, you know, that was my thing, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and I remember them trying to wipe out the lyrics, you know, wipe out. You're going to have to take half of these lyrics out. I said, how can I take half of the lyrics out? I don't get what you're trying to say to me. It's like, this is the song. That's it. Anyway, in the end... I was staggering, you know, to stay awake because I was so scared. If I drop or go out the room or go home, it's going to get pressed. They're going to screw this track. You're going to press it up. I came, back, I came back in the morning. It had just been destroyed. The track. It, it just sounded like some kind of, you know, hi-fi, really bad, bad early '90s pop. And I was just furious. I threw it all out. Threw everybody out. Take you back to where it was, you know. Yeah, rightfully um, so. I have found the whole thing a bit of a battle and. You know, I also, I'm, I'm, I'm aware that, that the music that we do has not been a mainstream thing. I've probably been, you know, a more difficult custom, customer when it comes to the thing of people saying, hey, you know, um, you know why didn't you do this? And I've been very strict on what I want to do. I want to do it this way. But Jay, is that, is that in your nature or is part of that learner behavior based on the experiences you had at a really informative time as an artist where someone says, I want to rip out half your song? And if you, if someone turns around to you at a moment when, when you need to know you can trust somebody yeah. and they say, you wrote it, but I know what's best, Surely that's setting you on a path, whether you realize it or not, of you saying, you know what, fuck that and kind of fuck you. Yeah, well, no, I think I have been with, I think there is a definite a trust element with people. I mean, you know, when it comes to the videos, I've always been in the room every single time and I've sat behind guys and they're putting in shots that, you know, don't equate to the dance moves. They're not the way I see it. They're nothing to do with it. And, I, and I've just said, hold on, wh wh why, why are you, I want to hold this shot. 
And I've heard the answer, you can't, you can't do a seven second edit. <laughs> well, you can because you press the button after seven so seconds. Crazy. You're losing the whole move. So the minute I make a move, you're cutting it. So yeah. you don't even let me finish the dance move on the beat, on the time, so that you can see the picture that's being created. I, I have found it difficult. It has been challenging. And I've always taken an active interest because I've always said to the guys, you'll just move on to the next video, yeah? You'll just do the next one. Next week, you're going to do somebody else. I've got to fucking live with it, mate. This guy. I mean, that is the, the, I want to pause there because that is a fundamental truth for everybody listening right now in any walk of life where your instinct is screaming at you that what yeah. you're doing is the right thing to do and somebody uses experience or something else that is a construct to try to overshadow your instinct, then that, that is an undeniable line. Yeah. To turn around and say, you're on, off to the next thing. I have to live yeah. with this result. Yeah. Therefore, my investment m means more to me than yours does. But I mean, I mean, you, you want to see at the start of some of the videos where there's a load of, you know, and I, I just bring my own stuff, you know, and then there's two guys there. And what about this? I've gone, no way I'm wearing that. What about that? There's no way I'm wearing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, if you wore this, it'd be really good for us. We'll give you the credit for your trousers. <laughs> hey, thanks very much. <laughs> so when it gets difficult like that, when it, when, when, oh, so, so in the height of your success, you know, and, and, you know, when it was the first time around, when in the first few albums and stuff, and it's all and TFI Friday and Top of the Pops and Madge. Uh -huh. um, you know, the, the reputation that was kicking around when I was just starting out in the UK was, you know, JK is difficult. And you've acknowledged that in this conversation that you had a reputation yeah. of being a bit of a difficult customer. So at that time, right, back then there wasn't social media and you couldn't be difficult today and nice tomorrow. That reputation really sticks. Yeah. On, a, on a very human level, how was it for you trying to do the best you can to make the best music and be true to your art, but kind of having this sort of early to mid-90s tabloid reputation for being yeah. a, bit, a bit of an asshole. Yeah, it was, it was, it was strange. And, and in some ways, you know, as you're saying, I'd go to a lot of whatever it was, you know, shoot or a thing or something like that. You know, my angle is everybody's a mirror. And, you know, if you treat people, you know, with a bit of respect and nicely and go, okay, well, yeah. let's try you know, there's a way to do things with people. What about, do you fancy trying that? And I'm like, yeah, all right, let's do that. Let's give it a go. In equal terms, and maybe I'm wrong, but in equal terms, I think people would also say, oh, we thought, you know, we heard that this is going to be a really difficult shoot today. And actually, it's been really cool. I think the other side, what you're talking about, is the tabloid press side. Yeah. You and I both know, and particularly in light of stuff that's come out with the hacking and stuff, which is, you know, um, you know, which we won't talk about in regards to me. That was um, virulent, you know, in the in the 90s. And um, not only did it involve, you know, photographers, and it went much further than that into the realms of the police and everything else. It was quite a, a full on thing. You know, they were breaking the law um, on every single level. And it was a bit like, not necessarily even on my side, it was almost like, you know, you'd read the paper, you know, some poor guy, and you think this poor guy, you yeah. know, he's, you know, just an ordinary member of the public and you'd, you know, read the words. It took me a long time to go, you know, when I was a kid, you know, 22, you know, and I go, okay, but, but I didn't say that. <laughs> you know, it took me a long time to work out. They don't give a shit whether you said that or not. That's just been construed, you know. I think I think the invasive part was, you know, getting followed around. You know, people in glazing vans, you know, fake glazing vans. You know, when you're trying to sit and just have a meal and you, you know, became an expert at spying. 
I said, there's nine guys at the moment waiting for me to pick my nose. You know, nine guys waiting. They see I've got a motorcycle helmet, but I'm stuck outside a bar with a bottle of wine, and they're waiting for me to get back on that motorbike to go, he's drinking and driving. Paranoid. Just yeah, paranoid. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and I have to say, and then on top of that, you know, there are a couple of incidents outside nightclubs and what have you, where all you really want to do is get to your car and go home. But frankly... You can't see because when you've got 40 photographers all flashing away at you, you're temporarily kind of blinded. Yeah. You know, in the end, yeah, I suppose the temper goes, you know, someone gets it in the chin, you know, and then I get arrested. <laughs> That's the joy of There's it. a couple of, by the way, to my team here, in particular my American friend here, there's a couple of blinders. There's a couple of photos on the internet of this guy and he's full f- and roundhousing some cat with a fucking photographer with a, with a, with a camera because because uh, of the intensity of it and what you won't understand is in the nineties you were first through the wall bloodied and bruised you were the fucking yeah. litmus test you were the test tube babies yeah. and, that and of course you know and, I, and it's very easy for people to tear in and say oh just ignore it they're waiting for you to yeah. rise right just it it isn't as easy as that and you've seen that even with people like Prince Harry you know and yeah. it doesn't matter who you are. Um, but anyway, I mean, it got to the point where, of course, they, they, they in Savile Row, you know, sort of club land, Savile Row, they call it the JK Suite, you know, uh, Savile Row Police Station. <laughs> the JK Suite, that's crazy. And then, of course, it came to the point then when it was like, if you carry on lumping photographers, we're going to get you three months. Uh, consequently, at that point, I thought, oh, screw this. I'll, I'll, I'll move into hold- the country. I'll hold up. <laughs> yeah, I'll move to the country. I'll and and you weren't alone. There was probably, I would say, 10 to 15 artists that seemed out of step with that time, didn't seem to court it, didn't want it, but found themselves on the receiving end of it. Well, I mean, we forget that Bjork was one of those people at one point, which is that's fucking right. crazy to think about yeah. now. I mean, the other, the other thing was that as well. You know, I never courted it. You know, I wasn't one of the people who should remain nameless you know but we all know he said i'll be coming out of harrods in yeah. about 20 minutes <laughs> um <laughs> you know i'll be carrying yeah. two chanel bags and a burberry handbag to be Just fair jay they were ahead of their time they were ahead of their time i mean they're, they're, <laughs> yeah. the, ones, they're the ones that are running yeah. the modern day media right now well there you go maybe, maybe they had the right idea and i had the wrong idea who knows <laughs> i don't know you do you <laughs> live in your life um you know one of the, <laughs> one of the things that that always seemed to um take precedent thank God was the music, and no matter what was going on around yeah. you, you always found a way. When you came back with well, music, can I, can I, can I just say, Zane? You know, going back to that point, you know, about through all that, the one thing that did get me through was the people listening to the music. People would stop me in the street. Uh, you know, love that track, man. Blah blah, love you. It's great. Think that's a great tune, and that is what gets you through it. That is the thing. It is the fans and the people out there. That get you through it, a hundred percent. You know, it's also when I, it's also when I feel like um, Jamiroquai became a band. Um, mm. You know, in the beginning, it was clear that, that that you had this charisma and this talent that was going to propel you to the front of your own songs. But but around the time when things were turning really hectic, I feel it was like you, Toby Stewart. It was like yeah. Jamiroquai felt like a band, and you were really into yeah. giving everybody their space and videos. And I mean, Stewart yeah. Stewart became a celebrity in his own right, just based on how amazing yeah. a player he is, but also his yeah. charisma too. I mean, it was like Mick and Keith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. No, we there was a real thing going on in that, you know, particularly that third album. We went off. I think what happened was that 
I think from the record company's point of view, it's like, yeah, okay. And from, from my point of view too, you know, there's no point beating about the bush. You know, I think it was drilled into me by the stars that, you know, I mean, when I was a little, tiny little boy, I still remember having dreams of standing on the stage in front of, you know, vivid, lucid dreams of standing in front of thousands of people and singing my little heart out. You know, I, I, I could feel it. It was very much a point of visualisation, you know, visualising the whole thing. Even when it came with the name, you know, Jam Uruguay, I could hear it being said, you know, as an introductory thing and on you go, onto the stage. And I remember there was this point with Emergency on Planet Earth, Return of the Space Cowboy, and then, yeah, they'd done quite well, you know, they, in their own right, they'd done reasonably well. I'd managed to battle through the, quite frankly, the drug hell of the second album. Yeah. It was a fucking nightmare. But I got there in the end, you know. Um, that's why it's called The Return of the Space Cowboy. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. I only just made it through. You've all heard of second album syndrome. Well, believe you me, this was, this was no joke. This was, this was hell. But we made it through. That was that. But then there came this point where it was like, you know, there was a need for an upgrade, you know. There was, a, there was a kind of, I could sense there was a need from the record company. There was an upgrade in me, my style, you know, what it was all about and everything. And I was happy to kind of embrace that. To pull away, if you like, from the, um, from the you know, the early acid jazz days, you know, little guy in a woolly hat. You know, which, quite frankly, I'm happy to go back to now. But um, <laughs> well, <laughs> well, not just that, bro. But Junior's yeah. out there, and he's 100% bringing it back and putting it on the catwalk, bro. You yeah, know that. Yeah. I must say, I did, I did just uh, before I get that, I did laugh at the little sort of the Ukrainian Eurovision Song Contest guy in the pink hat, and I thought, Christ, that's me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. And it's it, 1993. It was. It's but, just such a visceral image. That's why, because people were, but, they know it. But going, going back, then there was this jump and there was this, uh, we were all in, going back to what we were talking about with me and Derek and uh, Toby and uh, Charlotte and Stuart. We had this first residential studio, which was very different for us. And we felt, um, how can I put it? We felt like, hey, you know, we're in a residential studio. We've arrived. They've obviously got faith in us. It was a brilliant time. That That whole thing, I've got very fond memories of, of that whole period. It was just, you know, go in the studio, do our stuff, up till two in the morning, play the PlayStation till three o'clock, you know, everybody get two hours kip, go back downstairs, what was the track nice last night, let's hear it again. Uh, you know, frantic scribbling on paper and, and little riffs and change this, change that, really great time. Yeah, and I remember that I had a, I had a Muse house in London and when Toby and I had started, you know, on virtual insanity, and there was a neighbour next door who used to complain. She goes, I really, I really, I, I really do protest that you're playing music after six. I said, well, why don't you keep it down, you know? It's, like, it's not like we're really thumping away at it, you know? Uh, anyway, but we, we'd scattered out the bare bones of virtual insanity. Did-a-ding, did-a-ding, future's made of... And it was bang, you know? And, um, and then... We didn't pull the track out. And I remember, I mean, which I've, I've mentioned before, you know, we, we played Cosmic Girl and, uh, and it was a big, you know, there's a, there's a hubbub, you know, all the, all the record company guys, the honchos. Really. Yeah, yeah. And the comment, that I'll never forget that came through. They went, hmm. I said, what do you think? Single? Hmm. 
well, well, we think it might do well in the gay clubs. <laughs> Is that the line? <laughs> yeah, that was the line. But um, and then eventually, then we played virtual, which we kind of put on the back burner. It was like it was one of those. Um, it was a Toto Africa moment. Yeah. you know, it's just B side, and um, they went. I think you've cracked it. This is it. This is the single. Anyway, and then from then on, it, it jumped dramatically. And I remember sitting in the um, MTV video was in the New York or wherever mm. we were. Mm. And, uh, and I remember people, or wherever it was, England, can't remember now. And, um, you know, some of the guys kept sort of elbowing me and nudging me, you know. And I was like, no, don't be silly, you know. And uh, I've never won anything in my life. And then when they announced it, I just thought, yeah, shit, you know, that's a proper thing. I think the exposure from there, it went ballistic then. I remember exactly where I was. And I remember it was one of those moments where like, we were all fans because we were listening to that stuff. We were all, we were all into acid jazz and talking loud and... We thought, yeah. you know, we all, you know, we thought young James Lavelle was going to change the world, and he did, you know, and all that sort of stuff, you know. And we were just, <laughs> we were just obsessive disciples of, of that kind of West London, you know, sort of scene. And so we we were big, big fans of of your band, even through the early success. We were like, now nah, they're they're real deal in New Zealand. Everyone was really big into Jamiroquai, you know that. But I mm. remember seeing the video for Virtual Insanity, and I'm glad we've stopped here because of the fact that it's all over the internet again. And I remember thinking. Oh, this is another fucking thing. Like, this is now all of the elements that make Jamiroquai special to us as real music fans growing up, finding, digging for the same funk records and searching for those sure. hidden breaks. But, yeah, but JK that. has, he has gone for it. Like, that video is iconic. It's an iconic moment. That video was a huge part of that. Yeah. It was a funny day uh, doing that video. Not only, as you well know, Zad, you know, videos were vastly expensive in those days. Yeah. Pre-internet, that was your play. Yeah. Well, I just remember with uh, Jonathan Glazier, you know, sitting a couple of days before, you know, the original, I, I, I had an idea, which was, you know, moving travelators, moving along, moving travelators, which, as you can imagine, technically, I mean, imagine trying to rip a travelator out of Euston Station and stick them all on top of each other. It's not going to work. Yeah. And he'd obviously mulled over this, mulled over this. And, and this is an example of when you really are working with somebody and you are clicking on the same level. And he phoned me up about one in the morning. I said, hello. I've got it. He said, I've got it. I've got it. I'm, I'm going to lock off a camera and we're going we're gonna to move a room around. And I was like, right, okay, uh, I get it. Ha, ha, how does the, ha, uh, all right, yeah, I, I'll pretend I know what the f*** you're talking about. But, um, but yeah, okay, sure, see you in the morning, go for it. Anyway, turned up on set, and all I can hear is, north, quickly, south, slowly, north again, quickly. And I'm thinking, what is going on in here? And anyway... And there's a couple of sofas in the room. And I'm like, right. So, and it was straight into action, you know, whatever it was, seven in the morning, eight in the morning, you know, a bit of makeup, off you go. And uh, I remember standing in the middle of the room, okay, and song played back, you know, and I kind of sort of got into a sort of regular kind of, you know, slink about like I do, you know, cat in the hat. Uh, and then he went, right, I want you to be here on this line. And over there on that line, there's next line. And I'm, like, I'm looking at the room and I'm going, well, you want me to sing this line here? How do I get there by the time I'm seeing this line? Anyway, 
I said, let me look behind the camera, see what on earth you're talking about. And as soon as I looked behind the camera, I went, oh, I get it. I see what's going on here. And from then on, uh, the magic happened. Apart from, I might add, it was only four shots, that video. I never quite understood the crow. What the fuck is the crow doing here? <laughs> anyway, never mind. Uh, <laughs> and the other thing... Uh, was the, all the blood coming out the walls. Now, on the last shot, um, also, there was a continuity problem because I picked up the wrong fleece, um, which was a slightly lighter blue than the fleece oh, I'd like used. You <laughs> nightmare. He hasn't yeah. got enough to figure out with his yeah, crow yeah, and exactly. his bleeding walls and his moving floors. Yeah. Here you are but showing the up. Was, the point was, Zane, that once the walls started to bleed, that was fucking it. You know, it was like, there's no, there's no mopping up the blood. Can we take that shot again? You're in and that's it. It's, uh, it was like, you know, one of those things where, uh, well, we're in for the penny and for the pound. Let's hope it works. But how did it, how did it uh, work? I mean, I, I'm sure it's been talked about before, but I've never heard the story. How does the floor move, not just front and back? I see how Junior so, Watanabe did it, but he, you went left, right, and almost circular. Well, of course, uh, we had a collaboration uh, with uh, Mr. Watanabe, so that was cool. I said to them, sure, you know, if you want to go ahead with this range... You know, we ummed and ahed over it, and I was happy to let him go ahead and do that. And I think what they did was really, really, really good. And 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 I got immediately, I, I've got a phalanx of phone calls saying, "Have you seen this thing? This is amazing!" You know, so I was happy about that. How it's done is that the, if you like, the sofas are are screwed into the wall, so they go along with the wall. And at any given point, suddenly they're quickly unscrewed. The whole room is on wheels. So as you unscrew the sofa, you know, suddenly the sofa looks like it's moving, but it's not. It, the whole thing is, is the room moving. And, uh, every, you know, I still get asked this uh, just time and time again. And it's just how it's made. It's the room that's moving, not the floor. And then, of course... I still don't fucking get it. And this you, is what's you know, amazing you, about this idea. I still you, can't I mean, get my head around it. I know, but, but hey, you know what? You really know you've made it in this business when about six months later you see an advert for DFS Furniture and they're doing the same thing. <laughs> some sh right? couch. You some fucking know you've made it then, King brown couch you know is moving around the room. <laughs> <laughs> You're like yeah, my fucking yeah. award-winning masterpiece yeah. ideas now just hawking some shitty fucking no. couch. You know when it ends 30% down, nothing to pay till December. You know you've made it there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, you gotta love, man, in particular, you gotta love British television, man. You gotta love the British ad industry, right? Oh, They'll fucking jack anything. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, quite funny, quite funny. But anyway, but after that, um, yeah, you know, a whirlwind uh, around the world, just great crowds, and and as a band, you know, we're on top top form. I mean, it was like, you know, um, it was also it was fairly heavy as well. There were there were heady days. There was, um, let's just say, there were there was a lot of jazz cigarette smoking. Yeah, bad. well, you, but you, but you, hang on, that's an interesting place to, to to stop because you were one of the first artists to come out there. I mean, in America it was Cypress Hill, Dre and Snoop. In the UK it was you. You were like making no bones about it, mate. You were like right at the beginning. You were like, it's the return of the space cowboy, man. Chiba, Chiba, let's go deeper. Good vibes on. I mean, it was yeah. like you were very upfront well, about was, that. It was well, you know what. It was very much a West London culture thing, you know. The bits of West London in my in my what I call my lean years, 
you know, Labrador Grove, Acton, Shepherd's Bush. That was, uh, you know, it was just a day-to-day running. That's how, that's how, it, that's how it went down. Yeah, my have. Well, I mean, have things changed? My gosh, now I mean, you can't mm. go, you can't go five feet in, in Los Angeles now, without a billboard. Now, I've got to run seven and a half kilometers every day just to get on the stage. <laughs> Different world. You know what's funny though, man, is that when you know when I remember when Stuart left. I don't know why. Looking back on it now, it's kind of crazy, but it felt like the band was breaking up. I think because you two mm. were just such a great on camera. It was like such a fucking charismatic vibe, right? Mm. It was like, oh man, mm. you know, okay, bass player's gone. That's 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 a fundamental shift. And then you just kept moving forward and kept moving forward. And I remember when Deeper came out, uh, Deeper Underground, and uh, it was mm. like, oh okay. Like this is another thing altogether. This is there's a toughness to this. There's uh. a there's a sense of urgency. There's a fight in here, and and a lot of that spirituality that had been the cornerstone of everything Jamiroquai. That kind of like okay, let me sit back on on this fucking shitty couch that I, I that, that I bought because they advertised it in a virtual un, virtual insanity fucking ad, ad, advertisement, and I'm gonna smoke my weed and I'm gonna fucking meditate. Was like no, I'm gonna come out swinging a bit. I'm gonna come yeah. out swinging a bit. It was a great opportunity. I mean, um, I mean, we've we've done a fair few bits of, of stuff in film. You know, I mean, uh, I, I remember I remember bumping into into Gwyneth Paltrow. You know, on and I was sat there, you know, having a beer on the King's Road, and she, you know, where most people would leap up, and she went, Jay, and I went, Yeah. <laughs> she went, Jay, I went. Yeah, sorry, can I help you? Jay, it's Gwyneth, it's me. <laughs> oh, hi, Gwyneth, yeah, hi. <laughs> and anyway, but I remember that going in sliding doors. And then we did a, Toby and I did a, a really wicked thing, which is, you know, not really, um, not really known. It was for a film, it was a, an animated film, quite late on, called Titan AE. And it was uh, a track called Everybody's Going to the Moon. And you never see it, you never hear it about. This is one of my bugbears, that in fact, and I did listen back to pretty much all of the albums back to back, not that long ago, uh, partly to see what we're going to put in the, you know, in sort of in gigs and new sets and stuff like that, because keeping the same old set is uh, is aggravating for me. It's not as boring, but, you know, from our point of view, I, I'm always like, hold on a minute, we can do better than this. You know, we're just, you're just churning it out now. It needs to be, in my mind, some kind of quite visible sort of... Creative men- renewal, yeah. It, it, needs to get, it needs to get me into a visible mental state to go, now that was a hard day's work at that, but look what we've got at the end of it, you know. Um, and so, you know, listening back to all the little tracks in these albums that aren't Virtual Space Cowboy, Love for, uh, you know, whatever you like, Deeper, etc. And And then you realise there's, there's a fair old body of stuff, and particularly like Space Cowboy. I mean, in fact, I listened to Automaton, you know, for the first Great time. Great album. The one thing I'll say, Zane, is that for me, obviously we're in the studio, so every track that you hear, I must have listened to it 250 times before anyone even gets to hear it because it's just round and round, back and forth all the time. And so when the album comes out, it's a bit like, uh, I don't know, it, it's, a, it's a bit like a brand new egg. You know, it's, it's just a bit too shiny for me. I can't really listen to it. It doesn't compute. All, all I can ever do is pick out the mistakes, go, oh, God, mm. why did they do that? Why didn't we do this? And then five years down the line, I can listen to it again, and my ears have switched off to it. And I can then turn around and go, hey, you know, it's not so bad. And at the time, you know, I was kind of like, is this album okay? Yeah, you know, now I... 
Now I think Rock Dust Light Star is a good album. You know, yeah. I think it's kind of it's got. They've all got their little moments. Hey, you know, again, not everything. Not everybody's as Bob Marley said, can't please out the people all the time. You know. Yeah, but yeah, here you are. Um, you know, and you're finding a way to celebrate the legacy that you've hard earned, and and we've, you know, appreciated all the way through. Um, paying respects to these albums um, and, and giving us these these kind of beautiful anniversary editions. And then you also, I mean, it's like we're only sort of four or five years on from the last album, um, which, yeah. which saw you tour. Um, I saw you on the side of a road at, you know, on the way to Coachella when I went up there and just kind of like totally got inside, oh, your, got yeah. inside your personal space. And, uh, yeah, no, no, hey, hey, and that was, a, you know, the other great thing, and if I could shout him out, Tyler, the creator, yeah. you know, he came to both of things. And, you know, we've hung out a couple of times when he's been in London. What a wicked guy. You didn't is. know, because I said to you, did you see no. what Tyler said? And you were just like, no. And I was like, look yeah. at this sh-. And you were I like, mean, oh, that's not cool. Only, not only Tyler, also the internet, who've got the Buffalo Man tattooed like on all of them. It's wow. Just, like, man, and they, they told me that they did some interview with, um, it was definitely, I guess, one of the music magazines that doesn't particularly favor me much, you know. And, uh, and they went, so, uh, you know, who's your influence? And they went, Jamiroquai, man, all day long. And, 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 and she was like, what? <laughs> you're kidding what the Pratt and the Hat <laughs> and they were like don't you say that about him don't you say that about him yeah right yeah right <laughs> and, um, yeah I mean Tyler wicked guy and we we sat down and we listened to all sorts of stuff from punk rock jazz I mean everything he really has got his head out there you know uh, he, he's a super guy uh, as is I might add as well is um uh, you know, another guy uh, who, who we will work, we just haven't got the chance to hook up yet, is Thundercat. I mean, that it's is fabulous. just, uh, that is, is so is perfect. A, I've just had to, what I've done at home is I've just, because we didn't use it on the last two albums, and I've reinstated, not only sort of, it's not a question of the, the expense even, it's the question of finding somebody who can get your SSL E with a G series solid state logic um, desk back up and running again after the poor thing was under its cover, bless yeah. its heart. And I was thinking to myself, hold on a minute, you know, yeah, sure, you know, do the Pro Tools, that's great, in conjunction with, but, you know, um, Pro Tools, you know, featuring Mr. SSL, Mr. Solid State Logic, because it's just something so organic about it, you know? At one point, I was going to get rid of the desk. Nobody uses them anymore. I remember somebody saying to me, yeah, you probably get about five grand for that, mate. No, 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 no. And I was like, you know what? That is an old French lovely desk. I don't want to get rid of it. No, and it's, and it's so, integral to the sound of, of, of what you make. I mean, yeah. that space is a part of what you do, and you just sacrifice space with technology. You do. Well, I mean, I think the space we got at home now, we've sort of rejigged up the studio. We're kind of, you know, sort of ready. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of wait. Well, you don't need to wait long for this in England. But I'm, uh, I mean, not only, not only with everything that's going on here, but there's nothing left to do but go in the studio yeah, yeah. because because it's crumbling to pieces over here. So we are going to get in there as the the leaves start turning brown and the November winds come, and you think, you know, I've had a great summer. Let's get back in there and get our heads down and get this next uh, part of the journey back together. Not just for me, but for all the lovely people who, you know, after doing the gig in um, in Malaga the other day, you know, who came to see me. And um, we hadn't done a big gig, obviously, with the COVID thing. Nobody nobody gets out alive, as it were. Mm. And um, we uh, they were absolutely fantastic. And, uh, and we were luckily on form 
um, realised that we could still, you know, deliver. And they were amazing. So, and they'd come a long way from all over Europe to come and see me. So a big thank you to all of those people, um, you know, and that's what keeps you going. You know, you owe it to them to give them some good quality, you know, proper, oh, the best you can do, you know, the best stuff you can do. Man, fucking hell, time flies when it's ones like this, you know. I can't believe we're, 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 <laughs> we're at the end of this particular conversation. But I, I really do, I, I, I love the idea that we'll get to do this again. And, um, yeah, and 100%. I, I really want to do it face to face with you as well next time. If, if, you know, even, even if I come your way, um, I, I no, want to... well, I mean, I mean, the other, the other part of that thing, I mean, you know, a lot of these people that I really, I really would like to work with, you know, I've got to a, a point now, you know, where I, I want to stretch out my hands and, um, uh, you know, and give myself over to somebody else. I mean, there's a French band called, uh, L'Imperatrice who are, I think, are absolutely fantastic. And I'd, yeah, you know, I'd kill to do a thing with Dua one day, you know, because I just think we could make some magic one day, the kind of stuff that we do. It's kind of like, it's pretty on the same kind of level. And, um, and I don't know whether you saw the other day, uh, there's a guy from over here called Younger. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see that thing he did? No. He smashed up. He smashed up cosmic, virtual, loveful. Smashed him into one thing. No, I haven't seen that. No. Hey. No, I haven't seen that. You haven't seen it. No, I gotta watch You've that. You've got to see it, man. He's just but Jamaica, I love you. But you know what? I just, I just looked at it and I thought, Jesus, this guy's got it going on. You know. But look what uh, you've done, bro. Talent. Look what you've done, man. I mean, this is where we'll leave it. Like. Look what you've achieved over a life lived, dude, and still so mm. much to do. And I think about I think about that success that comes out of nowhere. You can never quantify it when you're that young. It's wasted on the youth. And then you sort of fight your way back into something that is ultimately that you can kind of is tangible and quantifiable. And then you find yourself yeah. at this point in your life. I'm going to rattle it off for you just to make you feel good on a nice fucking cold, wintry, dark <laughs> evening in London, right? You got some, of course you have a beautiful, tasteful gaff. Look at that shit behind you. I don't think I don't notice the quarter of that lampshade that's peering out from that fucking frame. That's a beautiful lampshade, bro. I know my interior. You've still, look at that shit. You've still got your hair. You're aging yeah. beautifully. You got yeah. your voice. You got your body. You got your fucking wits about you. And well, you've got all these artists who love you, man. I mean, it's well, all there. I'm fairly battle scarred, to be fair. I'd be I'd be lying if I didn't say, you know, up here in this little brain of mine has had a few battles of its own. Um, the last mm. few couple of years haven't helped. I must say, cooped up at home. But yeah, I'm lucky. You know what? What I'm really like. I've got two beautiful little children. Lovely, a lovely missus. Two lovely little girls who I, oh God, I love so dearly. And um, you know, yeah. And I'm still still rolling. And um, I, do you know what? There's no two ways about it. I, I've been very lucky. And, Dude, the um, music will lead you, man. It yeah. will always be there yeah. for you. It yeah, will well, always you guide know, you. You know what? I've always said, and in, in the troubled times that we live in with these dictatorial freaks from across the planet that are just ruining all our lives. But um, you know what? You, you, you think to yourself that for whatever you you know whatever you've done music um as, again just sorry to quote bob marley twice in one interview but hit me with music hit me with music now you know um mm -hmm. you know what i mean mm -hmm. i what do bro think about music when it hit you feel no pain <laughs> You know? so Dude, go. we're gonna do it again, man. We're gonna do it again, and uh, we gotta do it. YouTube, it's been a real 
It's been a real pleasure. It's lovely to talk to you. Yeah, you too, man. Have a great evening. Stay in touch, man. If I get down to the States, uh, we'll let you know. Because I could do with doing, I'll probably end up there for three or four weeks, stuck in some studio somewhere. Come down. Last time I was there, I bought a 1965 Cadillac convertible and just cruised back and forth to the studio in it. I thought, hey, this is great. <laughs> That's what you see. The thing about JK is, right, as he ages gracefully with his life learned, with his lessons learned, raising his family, he's still that fucking flossy fucking dude with the with the good fucking rides. Great taste in cars. <laughs> great taste in couches. Yeah. Hey, man, good yeah. to see you. When you come to LA, if you don't look me up, I will find you. We will have a jar or we will have a coffee and we'll have some Zane, food. Zane, cars are a four-letter word. Believe you me, it's about getting in the one that starts in the morning. But, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will I will see you when I see you. And, um, and hello, world, and thank you very much. Mwah. See you later, bro. Take it easy, mate. Thanks for listening. For more conversations, don't forget to follow this show and leave a review. Zane will be back next time for another conversation.